Good morning, listeners. Welcome to Kafaru Cast. It's uh, well, it's before six a.m. here at uh, Kafaru International, and uh, Frank and I. Frank, what's up? It's early. It is early. We're going to try and knock out a couple podcasts before everyone comes in and starts bugging us. Um, <laughs> and uh, the one we wanted to do, one of the ones we wanted to do today, was uh, on shot placement, anatomy of an animal, uh, blood trailing, uh, basically, you know. Uh, know when to hold them, know when to fold them, uh, know when to walk away type of thing, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, it, it came up, it comes up every year, um, you know, obviously in, in hunting camp or on different trailing jobs or, you know, whatever. When do you push, when not to, um, you know, how long is an animal going to live off one lung? Did I get guts on the shot? Should we let it bed? Should we try to get another arrow into it? It's, it's very debatable, and it's certainly um, also, uh, well, some things aren't debatable at all, but uh, other things are debatable on, uh, you know, how la- how long you let it sit. A lot, a lot of it also has to do with your own personal preference. I'm a little bit more aggressive. Um, when I say a little more, meaning a lot more uh, aggressive, and sometimes I'll push the issue, but I also, um, you know, try to have some common sense and, and have be very cognizant of my surroundings when I'm doing it. But, um, I would, um, I guess what we can start off is, is shot placement and anatomy. Frank, are you good with that? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so, you know, you, you basically have starting at the front of the body, the frontal shot, um, and quartering two. And with a, a frontal shot, which I, I, I personally am very comfortable with. I've had great luck with a frontal shot. Um, but there's a there's parameters around that. If you can't shoot for shit, you, you probably might not want to take the frontal shot um, or the cornering two shot. You know, both of those are the cornering two, especially is extremely heated topic. But with the frontal shot, you have um, uh, you know a, an oval football like type window in the chest of the animal, roughly um, that you're going to sneak in inside of the more or less rib cage and the, the shoulders, um, you know, simplest explanation. Um, and, and that is, uh, you know, people argue back and forth. Is it, you know, nine inches wide, 12 inches wide? Is it a foot tall, 16 inches taller or whatever the case may be? Um, you know, depending upon the animal, but the ideally, um, you know, for, for me, um, like on an elk, the, where the, you know, you, you have the darker and lighter fur. If you look at a, a an elk like um, that's that's looking straight at you, um, when you have uh, that animal coming to you, the idea is um, you're you're basically going to be taking out the top of the heart, what's coming out of the top of the heart or the lungs, and then obviously going through into whether it be the liver, uh, spleen, stomach. You know, as the arrow penetrates deeper. Um, that shot, uh, generally, if you screw that up, ends up with, a the, 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 the arrow hitting the shoulder of the animal, um, and falling out. Like I've seen it happen with a couple different guys. Uh, if you're left or right, meaning just basically, uh, uh, well, depending, but a, a wound on the elk and, and, and they're, they're fine. Um, pretty you know, distinct sound when you hit something in the shoulder. Yes, it is very distinct and very depressing. Um, I've been lucky on frontals. I've always, every one of them hit the ground. Now, hopefully Phil doesn't mind Mendoza. I think he took a frontal last year and it did not 
pan out for him to the point I don't know if he wants to take another one. Um, he had he he shot a good bull I think on a frontal, and uh, and, and and he didn't find it. And I, I don't know the whole you know we'll get Phil on here and whatever he can touch on that. But you know if you shoot high that can be really good or really bad. And when I say really good, I don't mean you want to shoot high. You certainly don't want to take a frontal and shoot it up in the neck. But if you screw up, misjudge yardage, or just flat out shit your pants, um, you know, you can hit like the esophagus. Um, uh, basically, it just, you know, you're going to slice where it's, it's breathe hole. Um, but you can also hit nothing but neck meat, which you know, they're going to bleed some, but, you know, you're probably not going to find them. Um, you know, the parameters of that frontal shot, when people ask, uh, if you're asking if you think you should take it, you, you probably shouldn't. Um, you know, meaning like, uh, you know, if you're not confident in the fact, if you can, you know, kind of hold your, your mud and get that arrow in that, uh, you know, oblong hole, then you, you, you may not want to take it. The other thing is how far away um, do you want to take it? Uh, you know, 20 yards and in, it seems to be the industry standard of what to say, like, oh shit, you know, 20 yards and in, I'll take it all day long. Um, you know, I'm not going to say whether anyone should do it or not. I've had good luck with it hunting solo for elk. Most of the time they're coming in, um, you know, looking right at you or looking beyond you trying to find the, the cow or the bull or whatever. Um, so I, I, I like it, um, I, I feel confident in my shooting ability to, to, to get in there. I have enough kinetic energy uh, and momentum really to rip right through the entire body. Um, it probably just it has to do with being honest with yourself and knowing what your shooting abilities are. So, you know, just because you would do it doesn't mean you know, some, some other guy should do it. Also, um, knowing how, how confident you are with, with your shooting and especially at, at longer distances, you, you probably would feel more comfortable taking the shot past 20 yards than other guys would so and i've um and I, I promised brian broderick i would not if you're listening you little ginger um i would not is talk he about he is actually <laughs> um he makes fun of me about everything else so i, I generally just make fun of him because he's a ginger even though nothing wrong with that it's all i got though for him um i wouldn't talk about the distance i've shot you know animals close or far um other than say it was in my um you know effective shooting range but i I, I took a frontal, a far one on a, a bull three years ago, and it was um, it was out there. And yeah, luckily for me, I, I pinwheeled it. Um, I, I got a full 29 inches of penetration. If you push the skin in on the, the chest a little bit, you could see the knock. You know, the animal ran maybe 15, 20 yards. There was two-foot-wide blood trail, just devastating. Um you know, uh, another animal I shot, which was by another bull that was eight yards. Um, I was shooting a twenty three seventeen. This is back in the Chuck Adams days, and mechanic uh, or fixed blade broadhead, and ripped through the entire body. Same thing, same outcome. Fifteen twenty yards, and uh, he was uphill a little bit, so it's kind of a unique thing. I actually shot just above the the chest plate or brisket plate, um, from what I remember um, rip through the, the top of the heart, more or less, if you can imagine kind of the angle, um, and, uh, and came out of its, uh, came out of its brown eye. It was the strangest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I didn't think it was even possible to do that, but, uh, but yeah, I, you know, if you're going to take that shot, you got to be confident in your shooting ability and the anatomy of the animal. I kind of, um, as a general rule of thumb where the dark goes to light, um, is a good reference point of where you want to, 
you know, start your aiming. You don't want to be up in that darker spot too much. The hide's a bit tougher and you're not going to hit what you want to. So depending upon if you're on flat ground um, or aiming uphill a little bit, that where the dark goes to light just below that is a good kind of reference point. And I'm sure a ton of people will chime in where they aim or where they shouldn't or, or whatever. But um, the other one is the cornering two shot, which I don't suggest for hardly anyone. Uh, the idea being you slip it between uh, the shoulder blade and the uh, the neck area or main body. Um, I never suggest to take a cornering two and try to sneak it in behind the shoulder uh, just because you're going to hit one lung um, and guts. Now, the animal will die, gar guaranteed, um, just because of the fact you, I say guaranteed, you're going to hit intestines too. You're going to hit on-side lung and intestines on the way out. Uh, the animal will die. It'll probably take six to eight hours for septic shock, roughly. Um, I'm, I'm not a, uh, a doctor when it comes to animals dying. I didn't go to college for this. But from what I've seen, uh, and I'll go into examples of, of anim on hunts I've been on where all these different shot placements that we're talking about first, uh, hands-on in the field and actually what happened in kind of the second part of this or later on. Um, so the, 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 the cornering two shots I've taken, um, you know, some of them were on whitetails, uh, coming in, looking up, um, you know, in the tree or stomping, looking around and I've put it down between the shoulder blade, uh, and the neck going, you know, basically where it's exiting in the back of the heart lungs area. Uh, it's not a shot for everybody. And for most people, I actually don't suggest it, but the arrow does rip right through. If you hit it in the right spot, if you, if you've pulled off a front shoulder, uh, the thing comes off in about five seconds, you know, hide on or not, lift the leg up, start cutting. It just pops off. You're basically shooting in that gap. Um, like when you pull the, the front shoulder off again, probably if you're unsure, if you should take the shot, shoot broadside, don't, don't take the shot. Um, I've shot, uh, you know, elk, mule deer, uh, both at that angle coming at me on the ground and slipped it between. But again, um, it's not a shot for everybody. It's not a trad shot. Um, you know, again, as far as with, um, um, accuracy is the big thing. You, you gotta be pretty precise that it should be taken close up if you do it. And, and for the most part, most people probably shouldn't, uh, when you go to a broadside shot, um, and, and again, on the, on the, on the frontal straight on, you're going to hit all kinds of good stuff with the heart and lungs, uh, the cornering two. Um, same kind of a thing. If you're splitting between the front shoulder and the main body, uh, you're going to get both lungs. You're going to get, uh, you know, the onside lung more forward and then the offside lung more rear, uh, with a bunch of other good stuff mixed in between. Uh, when you start to talk about broadside shots or cornering two, um, where you're shooting behind the shoulder again, never shoot behind the shoulder cornering two. Uh, it's, you know, it's intestines and lung, maybe liver. Um, I mean, there's nothing good that comes out of it really. Generally it's going to fail, but broadside, um, I cater towards the shoulder. I, I, uh, I actually am aiming almost right at the shoulder, uh, like the, the pocket or the shoulder line crease. and the crease. Thank you. Um, and sometimes even eat a little bit into the meatier part, um, just cause I can get away with it with my setup. Um, you know, depending, but, uh, you, you've got a good window, um, in height and you got a good window, um, you know, going back towards the ass end of the animal, you know, basically as far as like, um, I say, say anatomy goes, 
you know, when you're looking at the animal, you've got uh, the lungs, and as you're going back, you're going to hit, uh, you know, liver, spleen behind the lungs. These are, again, I'm, I'm roughing this out a bit, and then you're going to hit intestines behind that. Um, you know, basically a little ways behind the front shoulder, uh, towards the back of the rib cage. You're getting towards the back of the lungs and where the spleen and liver are. Um, and then behind that is the intestines. Um, you hit, um, you know, intestines on any animal. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's certainly going to die, but it's usually six to eight hours um, from my experience before septic shock kicks in. Uh, sometimes they'll go quite a ways. Generally, though, from what I've found, um, you get an intestine shot, a stomach shot. They're going to be pretty sick. They're not going to be very damn happy. And they're going to bed up in the first place they can. Um, you know, a gut shot buck, people always say, you know, we'll try and go to water. Um, you know, that obviously isn't always, there's not always water in the high country for elk. Uh, a lot of times they're just trying to get away, uh, you know, and, and bed down because they don't know what's going on. They're in pain. Sometimes they can't lay down for too long because it's just as painful. They'll get up, move a little, bed back down. But, um you know, obviously the broadside shot is, is one of the best you can take. I, I'm a little more fan of a cornering away, um, you know, shot where you're really um, you got a little bit more, I think, a little bit more room for error on a, a quartering away, slightly quartering away, especially when you're talking about that onside leg, you know, sometimes blocking, um, you know, um, shit happens so fast. And sometimes you're not really thinking, and if that onside leg uh, if it's a broadside animal, is back a little bit, you may not be taking that in consideration. And when you're aiming at the back of that leg, the back of that leg, if it's back, maybe now at the back of the lungs, where on a cornering away shot, even if that leg's back, you've got a little bit more room for error, um, you know, going through. And you're really just looking at the back of the onside lung and the, um, you know, obviously center or maybe forward part of the offside lung. Uh, the only problem with cornering away sometimes you're not going to get an exit hole because it's going to bury up into that offside shoulder where you're probably going to get a better chance from uh, entrance and exit with a broadside shot. Um, Frank, I'm doing most of the talking. You got anything to add so far? I think something that's super helpful is before you even step out into the field, if you go on Google and just type in deer vitals, elk vitals, bear vitals, whatever you're hunting, there's a ton of photos showing broadside animals and animals facing you and cornering away according to and it shows where the vitals sit um, when they're when they're in those positions so I think it's good to know the anatomy of the animal before you even step out into the field so you can kind of know where you're gonna want to want to shoot um, I know a lot of people shoot for the heart I, I feel like it's easier to go for the double long shot especially on the on the broadside obviously um, it just gives you more room for error but I think knowing the, the anatomy of the animal is super important yeah, definitely knowing the anatomy. And and we'll go into um, maybe a little bit more depth as far as everyone's aiming thought process when an animal comes in. Brian and I talked about this a lot the last couple years. of, And what I'm talking about is if an animal comes in and yardage and where you put your pin. If an animal comes in and I think it's 38 yards, let's say, or 35, but I'm not sure. Um, I really get all the rest of the pins out of my mind and I just put the 40 yard pin on its heart, which does sometimes equate to a shitload of heart shots because maybe I was off on yardage. But 
rather than thinking, okay, maybe I should have my 30 pin here and my 40 pin here. You know, there's a lot of thinking going on. If I look and I'm like 35, I just put my 40 yard pin. Uh, my, my heart is my aiming point always, I guess I should say. Um, just because, uh, you know, because of the anatomy of the animal, the body line, the leg, all of that stuff. I'm not necessarily aiming quote unquote at the heart, but I'm definitely using that for my sight reference where like Frank, you just said you don't really aim at the heart. Your reference is that pocket in the center of the lungs. Is that? Yeah. Right. And, and there's nothing wrong with either one. That's just something we were discussing. Uh, Brian and I, um, on an animal he took a shot at and he was unsure of yardage. Um, and I just explained to him basically, Hey, this is, this is what I would have done. Um, that doesn't mean it's right or wrong or whatever, but that that's, you know, basically what I, I personally do. Uh, and we'll go into that a little bit more, more later. Um, so as, as far as broadside quartering away, um, you know, like you got the, the lungs, um, then you've got the liver and spleen, and then you got intestines. If, um, if you hit the lungs or heart, um, they're going to die. If you hit both lungs or the heart, they're going to die anywhere from 10 yards to out of 150. I've seen some well, that I shot a cow in Montana, the one about 150 on a double lung shot, and that thing got crushed. But they are going to die pretty dang quick. Um, you know, you start to get to where it's a one lung or um, well, let's say a one lung hit. Unless you hit something other than that one lung, they're probably going to live forever. Um, when I say probably, meaning they're, they're going to live forever. You're not going to find, well, I've never found a one lung hit animal I found them the next day trying to hump cows. Um, I found them <laughs> feeding, mule deer feeding the next day after a one lung hit. But a human can live off one lung. Um, and animals are much tougher than we are, so they can live off uh, one lung. Now, when you start l one lung intestines, six to eight hours, septic shock, they're not dying from the one lung hit, they're dying from the intestine hit. Uh, and again, as we talk about this uh, specifically, as I'm blabbing on and on, this is my opinion from what I've gathered from all the different animals I've shot and other hunts I've been on. Um, and then uh, liver hit. For the most part, and I, I've heard several different, you know, I've ever, oh man, that thing will go forever off a, a liver hit. Uh, man, I've never seen animals go really far off a liver hit. Um, once they're hitting the liver, you know, I think the farthest one I've ever seen gone was 250 yards. For the most part, it's 250 or less, for my opinion, and they bet up, uh, and they're not very happy, and, and then they die. You know, I've heard anything from uh, two, uh, you know, as far as when they die, two hours to four hours. Um, for the most part, everything I've seen where a, a liver's hit, it's definitely two hours or less. And and again, we, we personally, me too, I'd like to hear people's feedback, um, you know, on what they think, but, but a liver hit animal is a dead animal. Um, you know, how long it'll take, that's one where you don't want to push. And, and we'll go into that again, as we talk about this, of, you know, knowing when to hold them and knowing when to fold them. Um, when do you push the animal or not push? When do you, when, how long do you wait before you go in, um, to, to find your animal? How, how long should you wait? Can you go more or less, you know, five minutes and go in? Do you need to wait six hours or, it, depending upon the situation, weather dependent is another one. Do you sneak in after 20 minutes and try and get a second shot because of the potential outcome of weather or whatever else? Um, so, and then you have the Texas heart shot, which, uh, you know, is, is, uh, 
another one that uh, is highly debatable. You shouldn't take it. Um, you know, you, you, you miss, you're going to hit the butt cheek on the left or right side, which brings me actually to the uh, femoral artery, um, which is as devastating as a heart shot, but something you probably should not aim at ever. Uh, it's in, for lack of a better explanation, the ass, the ass cheek, the, the side of the hip. Um, big artery, um, you know, running up, and uh, that's coming from the heart or going to whatever. Um, and Frank, have you ever hit one in the femoral artery? No, I haven't. I just feel uh, like uh, if you can shoot them in the in the the lungs or in the heart or whatever, there's not really a point to shoot them in the femoral. <laughs> I guess it just happens sometimes, though, right? Ah, uh, the first time I did it was on a mule deer hunt. I think in 2000, maybe, and uh, there was no really levels. Um, you know, you're not paying too, paying attention to your second and third axis back then, or you should have been. Mm. And I was all crooked on this like super steep angle, uh, shot. And, uh, whether it was from that or whatever, I hit it in the butt. Um, and, uh, it ran like 20 yards and died. And I was like, what the heck that, what did I hit exactly? You know what I mean? And, mm. uh, it, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was devastating. Um, but you, when you, if you hit an animal in the femoral, uh, back there, uh, you're going to know cause it's going to die fast. Um, and if, if you, if you're, if you're tracking an animal, let's say, and, uh, and you're thinking, man, maybe I hit it in the femoral, um, you, you probably didn't hit it in the femoral. Um, just, you'd know cause they, they die. Um, it's so, I mean, it's not something you should aim at, but it's something you should 100% without a doubt know about. Um, just for the simple fact is, um, you know, if you, if you hit the animal where it looks like, um, you know, you may have nicked that and you're in thick cover or whatever else. And you're thinking, oh, maybe we better let this bed down overnight, but it's in a high bear populated area or coyote populated area. It's something to think about. Because if you may have hit the femoral and it could be dead 45 yards in front of you, um, you know, I mean, it, uh, I would, I would, I would, if it was Frank and I hunting and I thought he hit the femoral and it was something, let's say we're six miles, five miles, three miles from camp, we're thinking we don't have our gear with us, I'm probably going to push the issue. If I think he hit the femoral, we're going in. Um, but if I think he hit the guts, totally different story. We can't go in. And that's where knowing the anatomy of these animals matter. Um, so, I, you know, again, it's, it's all kind of Met-T dependent or whatever. Met-T. Uh, it's all dependent upon each situation. Uh, the other thing I guess we could cover, I, I'm not really going to cover hitting it in the leg. Um, but uh, the upper and higher area are, you know, uh, a brisket hit and a spine hit. With a brisket hit... Um, it's like the false hope hit for me. They bleed forever and they never die. It's really depressing. Um, you hit them real low in that brisket. You're going to have white fat on your arrow, um, like white fatty um, type stuff generally on your on your shaft. Uh, the animal's going to bleed for a long damn time and you're generally never going to find it. Um, you know, and, I mean, you might get lucky and it may bed up or whatever. Um you know, get another shot, but for the most part, they just go forever and bleed and you never find them. Now on this, the spine, you know, depending, uh, you know, where you hit it in the, in the spine, um, meaning when I say spine, if you're above the back strap, um, 
you know, or in that higher portion of the back strap, the arrow is just going to stick in or blow through and nothing's going to happen. When you get into the actual vertebrae uh, portion of it and there's that big uh, tendon, it's like the size of a freaking thumb or finger that's holding everything together. When you hit that, what it's basically taking out their four wheel drive. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we all seen it. Um, they drop straight to the ground and they're basically trying to get away on front wheel drive. The rear wheel drive is out and that's disconnected. Um, everything. I feel like that shot happens a lot with, uh, like white tail since they drop, jump the string pretty often. Yeah. You see that a lot. Yep. No, for sure. Um, makes for quick tracking jobs. Yeah, and you definitely, there's nothing's good going on with the animal at that point. Get another arrow in them as fast as you can because the, the animal's only going to suffer for a long time. Yeah. So you definitely just want to get another arrow. In fact, that bull I shot last year with the recurve, um, that was like at 12 yards, and that was one of those, um, I hate to say it, but cornering two kind of frontals where I split that uh, gap between the shoulder and, and, uh, and the main body. Mm -hmm. And uh, it did go through, and then I, I basically hit right at the, the vertebrae and that, that tendon and just popped it in half. And then, you know, I shot it again, obviously right after that. Um, but yeah, they drop like, um, like a sniper shot when you hit them with, um, on a, on a spine. Um, and then, uh, we talked a little bit about the neck, stay away from the neck. Don't shoot the neck. You know, you'll hit the windpipe. Maybe, uh, you might get lucky if you have enough kinetic energy to, to separate that, that tendon up in the neck vertebrae area. Um, you know, it's going up in, um, but, um, how would I put the, the chances of you actually getting enough penetration, depending upon the bow and aiming at the right spot, uh, to render the animal totally in op from, from snapping that, that tendon in there is pretty minimal. It's a shot. I never suggest anyone taking again, know your anatomy. So you know where you hit it. Uh, the best you can hope for is hitting that, um, you know, windpipe carotid ar artery area. Um, but again, you know, 1% chance of success. It's a shot that shouldn't be taken. If you actually do hit it up there, you want to know what to do or what, where, you know, what might happen, but, um, it's not something you'd be like, Oh, I can't wait to go out and take a neck shot today. Um, yeah, it's just a piss. It's more of a rifle hunter thing. I've heard, you know, rifle hunters, so they don't waste mate, take it up, um, uh, you know, in the next shot. Um, you know, a lot of rifle hunters shoot high shoulder, um, which pretty much is a, a dead right there thing, you know, drops them. I get away with it. Um, a couple of places I've hunted whitetails, I take high shoulder shots with my compound uh, just because we're bordering on private land and I don't want them to run and jump the fence. Again, I do not suggest that. That is with my bow. Um, that's, you know, 600 plus grain arrow doing 280 with a fixed blade. I can get away with that. Most people can't and shouldn't um, just because you're going to hit the shoulder and nothing's going to happen. Uh, in fact, looking back, I probably shouldn't even have mentioned that. But yeah, you you know, rifle hunters, you know, what we're talking about is mostly archery right now, more than rifle hunters, um, obviously anyway, but, um, but yeah, Frank, you got anything else to add? Um, not necessarily on the, on the archery thing. Yeah. I mean, with just to touch on the rifle thing, you, you have a lot more room for error. I feel like with the rifle, uh, just because of the, the crush factor of the, of the boy kind of, it, um, it messes with the central nervous system too, when you hit something with a bullet, right? And, uh, yeah, I mean, you can shoot straight for the shoulder and you're going to explode the shoulder and blow, you know, crush all that meat blow behind it and get into the vital. So, um, yeah, just this, this mainly has to do with archery more than, more than rifle hunting. Yeah. And one thing I would say, and sorry, I'm stuffing a bobo bar down my face right now as we're talking, but I'm hungry. Um, 
if you have the time and you know you're 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 getting um into archery you shot an elk you know even though we debone pretty much everything uh don't be afraid to you know get all that meat off but then start hacking away at the animal to figure out what is what and where it's at um figure out how big that uh gap is on a frontal shot um figure out you know you can see when the animal's laying on the ground um where the rib cage ends ends where at in the spine can you hit to drop it and where are you going to miss how tall the back straps are you know roughly um you know things like that as you're deboning um you know when you i debone the rear quarter you know immediately where that femoral artery is at um yeah you know things like that uh are, are important so don't be afraid if, if weather uh weather permitting that that uh, you do a little experimenting and see what's what where and where's it at so you're not taking advice from some you know ding dong online like me or frank you're actually learning it for your for yourself um so let's let's talk about um basically what to do uh you know when you hit some of these places and i'm going to go off of mistakes i've made as well as good decisions i've made frank you can do the same thing uh these will be on animals i've shot or hunts i've been on and again uh, some of the, it's not all roses here. Some of this shit's bad, like meaning, uh, bad circumstances. I'm going to be totally, you know, candid when I tell these stories, I won't mention names, um, just cause some of my buddies will get pissed, but it, I think it is very important learning, um, what happens when you make a good or bad decision when you're talking about shot placement and the following, um, actions you take after that happens. Uh, a good example, um, Let's talk about, um, you know, frontals and quartering too, um, and, and, and what to do or, or when, and, and this will be, it's hard to pinpoint all this, but a few years ago I hit a bull, um, not a super, super far shot, but far, and I shot it on a, a cornering two kind of frontal, really piss poor decision on my part, something I wouldn't do again. I got about 12 inches of penetration. And so I knew I got one onside lung or, or the, I, sh I got the onside lung on the shot. Um, uh, and I knew it was going to live off that one lung or I had a damn good idea it would. Um, having said that it was coughing up some blood. It ran out and bedded down. Um, I immediately, me being me wanted to get another arrow in it. Um, but I rushed and I got up to it and it looked, it was bedded in grass and it looked, um, like it was broadside. I took another shot, uh, hit exactly where I aimed, which was bad because I hit the same lung again, except on this shot, I got intestines as well. Um, knowing that right then my dumb ass should have backed out and found it the next day. Um, I knew I got the same lung twice, so it had one good lung, but I got into the intestines on the second shot. Um, and, and I could have gotten maybe some, some liver in there, um, you know, as well, but I, I, I knew it wasn't going to be super quick. I should have been smart. I should have backed out and I should have waited. Um, now here's, let me tell you what I did do. Um, I, uh, totally dumb shit move. Cause I, I, this is the only time where being aggressive actually hurt me on a blood trailing job. Cause I do make fairly good decisions. I think, is I immediately got on the trail of it thinking I could get another arrow in it. Um, uh, when I say immediately, pretty quickly, uh, 15 minutes. Followed it for a while and immediately it hit bed quickly. 
Um, I think if I wasn't such a dumb shit, it would have betted there to die. Um, this was back in 2006, I guess. Um, and, uh, it was, a, it was a really good bull. Um, so once I found that he was, uh, the bull was coughing up blood, it coughed up blood in that bed and I had probably pushed it, uh, from tracking it. I, I got smart and I pulled out the end outcome of that was, um, looking for it the next morning, not finding it and looking for it again the next day. And we finally found it. Um, the moral of that story is really don't be a dumb shit. I should not knowing 100% without a doubt hit the same lung twice and knowing without a doubt I had intestines. I should have not pressured that animal at all. I should have just let it go bed down and die because it had, it, 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 I did hit the intestines. Um, so that's one case where, you know, pulling out and, and, you know, being smart about it, being patient, come back the next day is exactly what I should have done. Um, part two, uh, a buddy of mine, uh, took a frontal shot, um, super close, uh, eight, 12 yards, whatever it was on a mule deer was in the rut. Um, and he put, um, broadhead straight into its shoulder. Uh, he wanted to wait and, uh, I don't know why. And, um, I personally, when I say wanted to wait, he wanted to wait a while. I personally wanted to wait um, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, enough for the animal to calm down, knowing it wasn't going to die and get another shot in it. Um, what ended up happening when we waited uh, was nothing. We never found it again. Um, and is there a right or wrong there? I don't know. But to me, knowing it was hit in the shoulder, I think it would have been smarter um, knowing it wasn't going to die, but to try to kill the animal you hit not giving it enough time to spread distance on you in the middle of the rut, get pushed by another buck, which is another uh, variable in the equation you need to think about. If it's in the rut, those animals are fighting constantly. If that animal goes bed down and it's a good buck and there's does around, in my opinion, the chance of that buck getting pushed, whether it wants to or not, are extremely high. So it may have went and bedded down, but I guarantee um, another buck's going to come there, get it out of its bed and, uh, and push it. And then it, you may not ever find it, which in the case, we never found anything where I think if we would have waited that 15, 20, 30 minutes, just enough for it to calm down a little, been real methodical, try to get eyes on it, we probably could have circled around and got another shot. So that's one of the times where I think pressure in the situation a little bit might have been better, um, you know, as far as talking about frontals. Um, Frank, you got anything? Um, well, I mean, speaking of, we talked about the other day the uh, that time I had that bad experience with those those one broadheads, the fatal steel. Um, I had shot that elk, and it felt like a good shot. And I texted you, I'm like, "Yeah, I shot this elk. I'm gonna go track it down." Um, I think, um, you know, I followed the blood trail. It was it was kind of it was kind of minimal. And I texted you, and I was like, "And I was like, should I wait or should I should I kind of go go after it? What do you think I should do?" And um, you told me that I should I should probably try to track it down um which i did and later to find out that the broadhead didn't open that's why there wasn't much of a blood trail but um i think a lot of this stuff is uh you kind of have to learn over time well and i mean as far as me telling you to track it from what you had told me you thought it was a good shot yeah mm -hmm. and you said you hadn't found it it hadn't died that immediately um 
told me in my mind, one, you had a mechanical failure, um, probably, or two, you only got one lung. You never at any time said mentioned intestines when you were talking about it. You thought pretty much it was a double lung. And, uh, and, and also I know you, you are extremely sneaky. You're very methodical and you're very, you, um, you know, going through the woods, you're, you're basically a ninja looking around. So you blowing it out wasn't a, uh, a big variable for me in the equation. I thought you would probably find it. Um, and if I remember it was raining, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it had been, it'd been raining in the morning and, and there's bears in that area as well. Now, would you have done anything different and you're not gonna hurt my feelings from what I had told you looking back? No, I thought that was, it was a good idea. Um, cause I ended up tracking it and it was, uh, it was just standing, it was standing on a hill broadside and I put another arrow into it. And the thing that sucked about that is it was standing in the same direction that it was when I initially shot it. So basically shot it like you were saying just a second ago I shot it in the same lung the second time which didn't really do all that much benefit for me um, and I ended up having to it ran off for all the ways and I ended up having to track it down and it finally bedded down I ended up coming up from the from behind it and, and shooting it and finishing it off but uh, I'm sure you'll touch on this here in a second but I think it's pretty easy to get kind of tunnel vision when you're when you're blood trailing something you know you're just looking at the ground and you're looking for blood and you're not looking up ahead I think a lot of times, um, you know, if you if you if you keep your your awareness about you, you'll see the animal up ahead, and you won't blow it out. If, instead of you know just keeping your eyes on the ground, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what you think about that. No, I agree. I mean, the best thing to do, and I'll talk about like uh, the Brian uh, the bull Brian killed this year later on, because um, he's very let's wait forever. I'm very like, dude, you hit it in both lungs. What the hell are we waiting for? Let's take two or three steps, glass, two or three steps, glass, and make sure, you know, we don't want to just run in there. But um, you can be methodical, look at the ground and glass at the same time. Generally, if I'm blood trailing um, and glassing, what I'll do is look in my binoculars, no movement on the ground, the farthest point I can see, um, if that makes sense, that, that I can see blood when this is applicable. And then I won't look at the ground anymore. I'm going to take a couple steps, glass, a couple steps, glass. I'm not looking at the ground. That way I'm not a tunnel vision. Again, you're not looking at the ground or at your feet the whole time. I'm trying to look up the whole time and occasionally look at the ground. And, and you can do that in the right circumstances. You can't always. Um, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, that a frontal shot example right there um, was, or cornering two frontal, uh, where it, 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 you know, one where we maybe should have hurried and another one where we probably, well, I definitely should not have hurried at all. Um, when you talk about, um, uh, kind of bouncing around here, but the, the, the one lung hit, um, in my opinion, if you've, if you've hit one lung or a muscle, the best thing that you can do if you've lost blood, uh, completely is hopes to just, push it and get it bleeding again. Like, and when I say that, not don't run after it and get it to run, but meaning stay on the tracking job the best of your ability, as methodical as you can, in hopes to get another arrow in it. Um, a muscle wound or a one lung wound, the animal's going to live forever. Now, if you're in wide open country, the best thing you can do, which is, is, is the only thing, what I would suggest to do is wait for that thing to go bed down, watch it bed, and restart the hunt again. Meaning, 
Okay, animal bedded there. All right, let's get a stock and try and kill the animal you've already hit once. When you're in timber, you want to you you know you want to wait a while. You know it's not going to die, but you don't want to go after it immediately. Generally, um, but hardly ever because you're going to push it. You want it to get comfortable and calm again, uh, but you don't want it to you don't want to lose total blood because then you're not going to find the animal. And this is very tricky. What you're hoping for, and, and what we've been able to do a lot in the past, is that like Frank talked about that methodical tracking job getting to a point where you see the animal before it sees you and get another arrow in it you know on a one lung muscle hit for the most part the animal's not going to die uh but you don't want to leave a wounded animal out in the woods whether it's going to live or die anyway you want to you always want to kill the animal you hit and so let's say you're in relatively thick timber um you you just took a shot you've hit one lung okay Immediately, you know, it's going to be coughing up blood out of its mouth. Um, you know, he's not going to be feeling very well, but you also know he's got some adrenaline pumping. You just put an arrow through his lung. For me, I'm generally going to wait, uh, and, and there'll be a lot of arguments with this, with right or wrong, and, and I like that. I mean, I, I want to hear what everybody has to say, um, but I'm going to wait 30 minutes, and I'm going to go try and kill it. Um, a lot of people would say that's wrong, but for me... Uh, I, I feel if you're sneaky enough and your shooting ability is good enough and you're, you know, you're very methodical, you can get to that animal sometimes anyway, for the most part, if you're careful and get another arrow into it, you're certainly not going to call it back in. You're probably not going to find it the next day to get another shot at it. You know, your first hour is your only hour um, for that. You have got to make great decisions. You got to be very, very calm. But you also have to get another animal, another arrow in that animal. Again, my opinion. Um, it's hard to wait sometimes. Oh, it's extremely hard yeah, to wait. It's hard to wait for me. That's probably the hardest thing that I think. Um, so, like when we were in Idaho um, with Jordan, we both filled our deer tags, and he had that muzzleloader elk tag, and uh, we had gotten on these elk, and he he'd shot this cow, and it was it was close. It was probably like forty yards. Um, and we both thought it was, it was a great shot and, uh, she ran off and out of dis out of, out of sight. And we were like, man, should we, should we wait? And Jordan's more patient than me. And he's like, ah, let's wait like 30, 45 minutes, man. I'm like, good Lord. So that lasted about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the way I roll. Well, and the crazy thing is, I mean, he had a perfect shot, double lunged it. Um, and there wasn't much blood initially, but I could smell, I could smell the blood. It was just, and so you know, we, we went to where he shot it. There wasn't much blood and we kind of saw where she ran off. And then, um, we sat kind of where he'd shot it for, you know, 10, 15 minutes or whatever. And then we started following the trail where we thought she'd ran. And then there was a ton of blood and she was only dead. Like, I don't know, 75, a hundred yards away. But, um, I just wanted to say that it's hard for me to wait. I'm super impatient. I'm in the same boat. And I mean, Brian and I about killed each other. I mean, we've never fought over it, but he always wants to wait, and I'm, I'm, and I don't. Um, uh, and I don't always when he's, for example, when he shot his his bull this year. Um, you know, I watched the arrow go in. It looked like um, it actually ended up being a better shot than I even thought, but it looked like it went um, in the back of the onside lung and, and dead through the middle of the offside lung or more towards the front. Uh, and it ran off, and 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 you know, staying very, uh, man, in the moment. Um, like basically keep your shit together after the shot. Try to watch where the animal goes. Yeah. Mark where you shot from. Mark where the animal was standing from. 
you know, trying to remember all those things that, you know, it's, you lose your shit anyway, when you shoot an animal for the most part, I mean, some people don't, but I've, I've, I've tried over the years now to where I'm very, very, very anal about, okay, shooter, especially when it's a marginal shot, shooter here, animal here, direction of travel. Okay. What happened? Converse, figure out, Hey, where did you think it hit? Where did you think it hit? In the case with Brian's, I'm like, let's just go get it. I don't know, man. You know, he did, he wanted to wait, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm like, dude, what are the alternatives? It's either dead or it's not. Like, you, you know, I'm like, let's just go get it. We'll just, we're not going to just run through the woods like idiots, but let's go super s- slow. But dude, it's dead. And he was like, let's wait. I think he said two to four hours. Um, Good God, man. Uh, That's a long time. I, you know where I, I learned a lot of this from? It's going to kind of sound funny, but freaking bow hunting turkeys, spot and stock. Yeah. Those things, those little bastards, their vitals are tiny. So, um, you know, the first turkey I shot, I got a pretty good hit on it, but it ran off. And like you were just saying, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I kind of, you know, you're in the moment, you forget where you shot from. You don't necessarily remember right exactly where it was, where it was standing when you shot it. And that makes a tracking job fucking hard if you don't know where to start looking. Yeah, 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 yeah. um, I don't know. I've been... That's just something that, that I've learned is, especially turkeys, man, their vitals are tiny. So now I kind of, not that this has to do anything, but I kind of like to aim for the hip socket so they can't really run away, which might sound bad, but anyway. No, no, I mean that, uh, and, and a lot of this stuff is, uh, well, I guess to add what you're talking about with pressure, you know, pressuring or going slow or it, it's a collective off your, I believe off your past experiences of, of what you do where I told um, you know, Brian this year, I'm like, I have not had an issue with some common sense behind it, pressuring animals, like moving in when I thought was best. Maybe if I had a completely different outcome on these, um, I would want to, I'd be the guy saying, let's wait four hours. Uh, that is not the case. Um, I've had great luck with the decisions I've made. And so, uh, like with his bull, like I'm pacing back and forth, like, dude, it's gotta be dead up there. Where else is it going to be? It does, they don't live without lungs. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And, and he wanted to wait, which there's nothing wrong with either one. I mean, each one is right. Uh, the only thing I was thinking of is, is it is hot. We, I mean, it was, you, you came up there and helped us and I'm like, let's just get over there and get this thing broken down. Yeah. Um, and it, it ended up going, hmm maybe 150 yards or so. And we were in real thinned out timber. Like you could shoot 150 yards through the timber. Um, and I kind of stayed back glassing and Brian was a little bit ahead of me. He actually ended up saw the, the horn popping up. Um, so, I, you know, with, with that or whatever, what's right, what's wrong, um, is waiting always right two hours. Um, you know, some guys say always wait 30 minutes. I can barely make it 30 minutes when I've shit. I can barely make it five minutes when I know it's a double long hit. Like I, when I say it barely, I don't, I wait five minutes and I go over and get it. Is that right? Probably not. It just has never, um, never cost me an animal. Um, when I know it's a double long hit, um, you know, there's a, a buddy of mine used to always say, you know, if you think you're wrong, you are wrong. If I think I've made some kind of a marginal shot, totally different story. But in my heart of hearts, when I know I've smoked it double lung, I generally see it die anyway. And if I don't, I wait a little bit, you know, five, 10 minutes. And then I get like on a very methodical, slow tracking job. I generally put, even though this is my eighth day without Copenhagen, generally put a giant dip in, um, drink some water. (laughs) 
and then you know start my approach but uh but i uh going off of some of the other um uh, goods and bads as far as uh, uh shot placement or whatever um you know a liver shot uh you know th- two or three examples one um craziest thing um called this bull in for a buddy of mine uh john patterson i think we talked about this the other day actually but uh bull came in and um john shot it and right when he hit it um I always call out where the arrow was. Uh, I'm not always right, but um, I said, "Dude, that's liver. We're good. It's gonna die. That's it. That 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 bull's dead." It ran off like 80 yards from us. Um, it bedded down, and uh, I said, "Man, let's just wait it out. It'll it'll be dead. It ain't going anywhere." And it was like, <laughs> like bugle to a, and I was like, "What in the is that?" And it did it again, and uh. I'm like, Jesus, dude, I've never actually heard that happen before. And uh, it was almost like telling its buddies, I'm injured, get out of here, or I'm injured, come help, kind of a thing. It was crazy. And that happened a few times, and I'm like, gee, got down, sit on a bench. Let's go up there and shoot this thing, (laughs) Jesus. And uh, we stayed super close. John had an arrow knocked. I was right behind him with my binoculars and rangefinder. You know, we got up to it, and... uh, Shot it at 35 yards again. Um, shot or shot it again at 35 yards, and, and John smoked it. Um, now, you know, in that specific case, obviously we were able to watch it. I knew he hit. He smoked it in the liver. Um, watched it run off in bed, and then obviously watched its actions after that. Um, you know, looking at it from a perspective of oh, let's wait three hours or two hours on a liver hit. Um, you know, and the animal runs off and you don't know. Um, obviously, we knew the animal was alive and what it was doing because the thing wouldn't shut up, right? It was just making these crazy-ass noises. Um, you know, with a liver hit, you don't want to push it to where you can't find it because it runs into bad, you know, terrain. But in the same hand, let's say we hit that animal, same same scenario, we didn't see it go down and it's raining. Like, raining. To me... Um, you, you've got a really big, it, it, it's, it's an arguable decision. If it's pissing down rain or starting to snow, do you go? If it's snow, you could have a serious problem because whatever blood you had is going to be covered in snow. And the chances of that bull moving again, once it's bedded down, probably isn't great. So you're going to have to go after it. And in my opinion, you, you, when I say go after it, you're not running after it. You're going to have to take a fairly quick, methodical approach to get on an animal and get another shot, um, or get on an animal and watch it until it dies. Meaning, you don't have to get up and shoot it again, but your ass better keep eyes on it until it expires, or you may not find it because of the snow. Um, And this kind of shit happens every year, and I get emails and stories of guys, man, I hit a bull, we think I hit intestines. We went ahead and went back to camp and went back to get it the next morning and it snowed and we never found it. Okay, what should they have done different? Should they have done anything different? Obviously, it's not that easy to stay out in the woods um, in a snowstorm without your camp. You know, shit happens, right? Um, You know, you also have the option of, um, you know, you've got your fire starter, you know, suck it up, buttercup, build your ass a fire and stay out there uh, as close to the animal as you can. Uh, so you don't have that long distance back and forth to camp or 
you know, last light or whatever the case may be, make sure and do a real good job of marking where you were, exactly where you were, exactly where the direction of travel the animal was to start your, your tracking job off the next morning. If you hit intestines right before dark, it's starting to snow, um, you don't have your camp with you, really the, the only real option, you're not going to be able to get another shot because it's dark if you're bow hunting, um, you know, to finish it off. And it's probably, I think that's illegal anyway. Um, but I think that if you are very um, precise in where it was, where it was going, that next morning, snow or not, you should be able to grid out and find it. You may have a hard time, but you sh- you know it's dead. So gridding out and finding it shouldn't be a um, out of the question, I guess. Um, one of the one of the next things too, I guess, is uh, um, if uh, if if you if you have a stomach shot um, and you shoot it first thing in the morning compared to a stomach shot first thing at night, you've got eight hours, um, six to eight hours before septic shot shock kicks in um roughly uh and they die from a from a stomach shot if you shoot it first thing in the morning um and you know you've hit it in the stomach and you're um how would i put this um i don't know whatever five miles in you're three miles you know your your camp's five miles in and you're two miles from camp my you know depending upon where you're camped at and all that type of stuff um, you, you've got a couple of options in some cases, uh, when I've been out, I've actually went back and got my camp and brought it over to where the, the animal was hit. Um, we knew we were going to keep hunting. We were sort of bivy hunting, meaning, you know, base camp bivy where we're, we're moving our camp every day or two. We'll go, it, it kills time. It keeps your mind off of it. You're not going to hurt the animal. Um, we'll go back, get camp, bring camp to that. By the time all that's said and done, take a break, eat some food, and then, you know, six, eight hours has gone by and we'll go in super, super slow and in hopes that we are getting to the animal immediately after it expired because of the heat. That's the biggest problem. If you shot it at seven in the morning, um, you know, it's going to basically roughly somewhere be dead between one and three, um, that's and it's hot. Let's say it's eighty degrees in the day or whatever, seventy-five. Um, you're going to want to get on that animal immediately after. Get it broken down. Get it aired out. Get it. Get you know. Get the blood out of it. Get it in a creek or whatever. So that's the times where I might push the issue a little bit more, weather weather dependent. Um, if it's too hot to, you know, be maybe start diving in there closer to five to six hours in, especially depending upon. Uh, what you saw at the, the, the scene of the crime where, you know, where you hit it. Um, Frank, you got you, anything? So um, I was at the archery shop the other day and I saw they had this spray that you, you're supposed to spray on the ground and it helps you see the, see the blood. And I told Bo that he probably shouldn't, <laughs> he shouldn't spray that on his bed. But um, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think about, what do you think about stuff like those, those sprays? And then I think there's like, there's like lights that you can use that, that, make blood um kind of pop in the in the in the dark and stuff like that what do you think that stuff's gimmicky or what do you think about that stuff hold on a guy sending me a message yeah i do think it's kind of gimmicky although that star bloodhound was a spray that when you hit it you spray it we hit it with a headlamp you would see it It turns like purple yeah type of a purplish deal um i think that stuff works but honestly 
any more, probably because of common sense and patience, I don't have to use that shit, thank God. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't had to in quite some time anyway. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, oh, I'm looking at broadhead mechanical broadhead failures. We must have did a podcast about that and people are mad at me. Um, (laughs) I think, uh, I think that, um, when you push the issue and you get yourself in trouble is where that stuff will come into play a little bit more. If it's snowing, that shit's not going to work anyway. It's covering it. If it's raining, doesn't really work because it's washing it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're spraying that stuff at night and hopes to see it, you're probably fucking up a little bit to begin with. Usually I can't say all the time, you know, you, you, you probably should be waiting until the next morning anyway, rather than trying to spray that stuff at night. Gotcha. Not all the time, but mostly. Gotcha. Um, uh, again, most of these situations, not all, I think would be cured by um, sh- practicing shooting your bow, tuning your bow, and making sure your broadhead flight is good. Um, I hate to, to, to throw a blanket statement out there, but um, from what I've seen, there's a lot of people that just screw on broadheads and fire away. Um, they're not overly efficient at tuning. They're not overly efficient in animal anatomy, knowing where uh, to hit. And they certainly have not practiced as much as they should or maybe done their due diligence in getting their bow set up correctly, um, you know, which can cause problems. Or they're flat out shooting farther than they should. Uh, or they're choke artists. You know, I mean, one, of all, one or all of the above. Um, some of those can be helped. Obviously you can practice shooting a lot, um, generally more than most people do. You can certainly learn how to tune your bow. Um, make sure your broadhead flight's good. A lot of these blood trailing issues or some of them anyway, for sure are, are flat out just for, um, for, from laziness from, from the hunter. Um, not all of them, but, but some of them. Um, I think one thing that's helpful is shooting 3d archery. I think getting, so too. getting used to shooting at a, an animal shaped target instead of, you know, just your standard square Reinhardt or whatever. Yeah, no, exactly. And, um, try not to bounce around too much. And we touched off this a, a bit ago when, uh, my personal, unless I just double lung it and I watch it die. Anytime there's a marginal hit or an unsure hit, my standard of procedure as I go to where the um, shooter was standing and I'll mark it with a ribbon and then, you know, I'll either have the shooter stand there, me, vice versa, and go to where the animal was standing. If I can find the arrow, I stick the arrow straight up into the ground and I mark that with a ribbon and I turn my GPS on and I mark that with a GPS. Um, If you can't find the arrow, I, I, I do the same thing with a sticker. I make sure it is very visible where the animal was standing and I mark it with the GPS. Um, at that point, it's bullshit 30. We're going to sit down. We're going to have a kumbaya meeting of what happened, Where, especially if I'm calling. Where, one of the uh, elk Brian hit this year, um, I was calling. And anyway, I couldn't get the bull to come in. Brian went up after it. Um, Brian got into this open meadow or open aspen grove, looked to the left. The bull was feeding. Uh, Brian took the shot and he hit it. He wasn't sure where. I didn't know any of this was going on. He came down and grabbed me, let me know. He's like, I I think I hit it good. I'm not sure it may have been low. So the first thing we did when we got up there is I went to where the bull was and he went to where he was and ranged it. Immediately from that, we knew it was low. Um, Looking at the arrow, there was some white fat on it. Um, there was decent blood, but not great blood. And it was becoming very, very apparent as we tracked it. Uh, it was a low brisket hit. Um, 
you know, we waited a while, um, you know, to, to get on it. The thing was, is, um, if, if what Brian said was correct, meaning it was broadside, if he was low, like he thought he was, it would either be dead or living forever, meaning he probably hit the heart or he hit it low. So we knew pretty, I thought anyway, pretty quickly tracking it, um, you know, it wasn't going to die just for the simple fact is it would have been dead fairly quickly. We ended up trapping that, tracking that thing all over Hell's Half Acre, but we did exactly what we're talking about, um, marked, um, you know, marked where he was, marked where the animal was, waited a while, got the GPS turned on, marked that, and then went off after it. Um, and, and that's normally what I do. And then when I ribbon off, um, I try not to ribbon off, you know, leave ribbon all over the damn forest. It drives me crazy. But I try to ribbon off anything applicable, uh, meaning I don't ribbon if we're hauling ass um, on a blood trail where you can a blind man can find it, right? I definitely try to ribbon off once blood gets thinned out and I'll ribbon off last blood. Um, I already have the GPS uh, mark in the beginning. Uh, so I don't worry. I, you know, try not to litter the forest with the ribbon. They say it's biodegradable, but that shit must be biodegradable after a hundred years. Cause I see it everywhere. Um, what do you, uh, so this is kind of controversial. What do you, I see a lot of people that if they wound an animal or they'll have their opinion on rock slide or whatever, that they punch their tag. What's your opinion on all that? Um, I think if it's a fatal hit, um, it's arguable that you should punch your tag. Um, if you just hit an animal, I don't, I mean, if the animal's fine, I don't, I don't know why you would want to punch your tag. Um, you know, I, I mean, we, we ran into this, um, actually up in, uh, up in Alberta. Um, and, uh, you know, most outfitters, if you, if it's a fatal hit, um, fatally hit animal, your tag is punched, you know, obviously that depends on the situation. Um, if, and excuse me, I'm jumping. If your the animal is just hit and it may or may not be fatal, that is going to be up to the outfitter. Um, I know last year I got some flack because I hit an elk and kept hunting um, a bull, but we knew that well, obviously we tracked it forever and we knew the bull was fine. Um, well, maybe not perfectly fine, but in good shape. Um, pretty resilient anyway. Yeah, you know, I mean. I, I think I read a story on, on Rockslide or somewhere else that somebody had killed an elk and they found a full aluminum arrow shaft inside the elk that had just kind of healed over. Yeah, there's studies where they've done autopsies on elk where there's like, you know, 15 broadheads and bullets in these animals, which isn't, you know, a good thing, but they're extremely resilient animals. And I guess once you watch them fight and you see what they're putting themselves through, I don't personally, if, if it's not a mortal wounded animal, I think you should keep hunting. Uh, the state allocates or has that in their algorithm or however you want to look at it. Um, that uh, there may be some wounded animals that aren't found. They figure that in the statistics or the numbers um, for the harvest rates. Um, but again, I, if you shoot one and you hit it uh, in the shoulder and you got an inch penetration and it runs off, yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep hunting personally. I, the animal's fine. I don't give a shit. I, I want elk meat. Uh, accidents happened. If I know the animal's fine, I'm going to keep hunting. And I do know that there, I've heard people say, if I hit an animal, I punch the tag. It's like, oh, if you nick it in the ear, you're punching the tag. Like you got a flesh wound on the leg, you're going to punch the tag. If, if you're going to do that, that's fine. But I don't know that you should treat people like assholes if they don't agree with what, um, you know what I mean? What, what you, what, 
your, your beliefs on the, on the situation. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I think a lot of people try to be perfect on online and that's where they kind of push their beliefs off on other people. But as long as you do your due diligence and you know that it's not, it's not dead and it's not mortally wounded, I, I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, I've talked, uh, um, actually when this happened last year, cause I got, uh, several guys tell me I was breaking the law by hunting. And then I, I actually replied back, you should probably read your state game fish and wildlife game regulations. Cause I called, I think five different States just out of curiosity. And, uh, they were all super cool. They were like, no man, uh, keep hunting. As long as you've done everything you can to find that animal. Um, you know, you're, yeah, we encourage people to keep hunting and fill their freezers. They were super cool about it. And, um, actually some of them dove in and read some of the comments. Um, some of the fish and wildlife agents I talked to, uh, you know, some of the comments going on online and, and they said the same thing you and I do. They're like only online. Do you read bullshit like this? This is comical, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, uh, back to the, the blood trailing thing. Uh, you know, the other thing that's important to do, and this has gone, been going on an hour, so I should probably shut up soon, uh, learn what the different uh, blood, um, what the blood is telling you. The color of the blood, um, the consistency, the amount of the blood, all of that tells a story, and that story will help you determine what you should do. You know, if you have paint, what I call paint, like just flicking a paintbrush, probably a muscle wound. If you've got dark, dark blood, uh, probably a liver hit, you know, things like that. Um, and, and what I would say to do is go a legitimate source online because me describing it isn't going to be the same as seeing the color. So if you can get a, a legitimate source online, meaning not some chucklehead making shit up, but like an actual real life person that's done this a lot and has photos of it, um, you know, get on there and kind of learn from there, at least get a base kind of building block um, of what those different colors types and whatever mean so um you know for example um you can tell if an animal has been hit in the lung or lungs specifically lung um and it's it'll be coughing up parts of that lung and you'll be able to see four hoof tracks generally and then this you know coughed up lung in the front um uh, and then if it's hit in the liver for example you're going to see this really dark kind of I kind of say dark purplish or whatever, dark reddish purple, um, you know, liver blood. You're also going to be able to taste that liver blood and smell it. And in my opinion, um, not that I should be, you know, tasting liver blood, but <laughs> I, I have, um, you know, I kind of dotted on my tongue. Um, and it's a totally different taste to me than a standard, a muscle wound, as weird as that sounds. So, you know, when you start to get into the intestines, the, the smell of your arrow is going to be different. Um, you're going to have that greenish kind of nasty bile color or how you pronounce that, um, on the arrow, yeah. all of those things are important. Um, and then, uh, I, I guess the, um, the idea that, um, there, you know, that there's, there's one right answer for everything, uh, is something else that I don't believe in. Um, you know, some guys may want to wait. We've talked about a bunch of that already. Some guys may want to pressure it. But you really need to factor in, you know, where your camp is, is one. Do you have enough gear to stay overnight, uh, two? You know, where the animal obviously was hit is why, why you needed to factor all this in. But what, where was it hit, um, not only on the body, but also on the mountain? Is it in the cliffs? Is it in a high bear populated area? Is it going to snow that night? Is it going to rain that night? Are you three miles from camp? Um, yeah, weather, heat. Yeah, how heat. How hot is it? Yeah, how, how hot is it? Um, 
all of those things have to be in the equation because, okay, let's say, great, you did your job, you were super smart, you waited the six, eight hours, you found the animal dead, but all the meat is spoiled. Well, you might as well have pressured the animal and, and tried to get to it quicker. And these are the kind of things I'm getting at is there's always variables in the equation and you really need to write it down like it was a math problem, not write it down, but think of it as a math problem. Um, and that's one thing Frank and I, I don't know that, I mean, every time we sit down about anything, whether it's, um, you know, a stock or whatever, you just sit there and, and, um, and that's part of having a good hunting partner is actually having someone that has maybe the same um, thoughts as you for the most part, but also is able to say, Hey, dumb shit. Yeah. I don't think that's a good idea. Um, you know, back and forth type of a thing where you come up with a good plan or plan of execution. Um, I'm trying to think if I missed anything, if we missed anything, no, I think you pretty much covered it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Um, uh, I'm sure I've, we probably did forget something, but it'd be great to hear everybody chime in on this. Um, once we get it posted up, um, you know, chime in on uh, the Kafaru Instagram page uh, is a good place that we can stay on and, and, and do it publicly unless you're going to be, if you're trying to be a total asshole and send it in a private message. But if it's something people can learn from, um, you know, post it up publicly so everybody can take a look at it and chime in with their two cents. Yeah. And don't forget to uh, drop us a review on iTunes. We are doing a giveaway of a prototype pack that will be coming out with soon. So it is badass. It's giving me mountain wood. I like it. That's disgusting. Um, so yeah, give it, drop us a review. Uh, we'll probably do it's a giveaway. It's natural. <laughs> uh, not if it doesn't go away after four hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, it yeah. is that time of year. It is the rut. You're in the rut. Yeah. So drop us a review. We're probably going to give it away. Um, probably right after Thanksgiving or so. Um, so definitely we appreciate the support and we love the feedback we've been getting so far. If you're going to give us a bad review, probably not going to win. Just kidding. Um, but yeah, well, I'm telling you now, you're not going to win <laughs> or I'll fart in the bag. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, well, um, I'll put some kind of voodoo curse on that thing that makes shit run away. That's what I'll do. <laughs> uh, Lord. But can, yeah, thanks for the feedback, everyone. And, and so far it's been, everybody's been hugely supportive and it's been awesome. Yep. All right. Well, until next time. Adios. You speak Spanish? No. Me either. All right. We'll see you guys. <laughs>